welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And before we start the show today, we wanted to pause and acknowledge the, um, I don't really know what word to use, just a heartbreaking week that it has been um, here in the U.S., um, you know, we talk a lot on the show about the impacts of trauma, and um, and sometimes that just hits really close to home. And after recording this podcast, there have been a few tragic things that have happened um, in our country. And we just want to pause and mention those before we go on. Uh, first, if, if you've been um, watching the news, you've seen there have been mass shootings in California that have greatly impacted the AAPI community, um, the Asian American Pacific Islander community, and we are heartbroken with the families and victims um, and the communities who their sense of felt safety was shattered by these tragedies. Uh, And, you know, these are just some events this week in um, what has become a long line of events in recent history um, that have caused the API community to um, be marginalized and targeted. And so we just, we stand with you. We are um, holding that, holding that with you. And and we are sad and heartbroken by what happened in California. Um, also, if you've been following along with ETC, you know that we are headquartered here in Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, if you watch the news this past week, this has just been a tough, tough week in our city. Um, earlier this month, Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old was killed at the hands of five police officers and the video of that interaction um, got released over the weekend. And while the story of police brutality is not a new one in our country, nor also is it a new story in the world, um, it is still heartbreaking and tragic and sad. Um, And we are just so deeply saddened by the murder of Tyree Nichols. And we just wanted to extend our deepest condolences and our prayer for the Nichols and Wells families um, as well as families all over the world who are still grieving untimely losses of life. Um, and, you know, look, for some of us, this is a shocking event that rocks us to our core that um, is not part of our regular everyday interactions. Uh, but we also want to acknowledge that there are places um, and there are um, communities around the world that these types of tragedies and trauma happen in regular occurrence. And... And we hold those, hold those communities close as well. Um, just a heartbreaking week uh, on earth for us. And we are so sad and so heartbroken by um, these events. And just wanted to say that if you're sad, we're sad with you. And if you're heartbroken, we're heartbroken with you. Um, and while there's no easy transition out of this, um, out of a statement like that, we... Um, we do have a great episode today. Um, we, we've talked a few different times about lying on the podcast. And so, um, you know, those two episodes are linked below. But I would also say um, one of the things that uh, we found in prepping for this episode today is that uh, we believe we have kind of a, another angle we can take um, to look at lying. And so we, we thought we'd bring in um, the one and only Dr. Karen Purvis. Um, her video on how do I handle lying, um, which is on our YouTube channel, is uh, brilliant. It is, it is phenomenal. Um, Dr. Purvis, as well as Michael Monroe, talk about how we handle, as parents or caregivers, how we handle lying. 
it is uh, really good. But we wanted to bring um, Becca McKay and Tana Ottinger with us to just to, to unpack what Dr. Purvis and what Michael had to say. And I'll tell you, we did not expect to have a group therapy session when we sat down to record. And that is 100% what we had. We all got insanely personal um, about our relationship with the truth, as we called it. And um, and it was, it was very, I'll say just therapeutic, helpful for me. Um, but I think powerful. I also think, um, a great support for those who might be, um, dealing with this issue in their house specifically right now. So, um, without any further ado, let's get into this conversation now. Um, Dr. Karen Purvis asked the question, how do I handle lying? And after her video, we talk about it with Becca McKay and Todd Oniger. Well, uh, we've got Becca McKay and Tana Ottinger here with us today. And so we're going to talk about uh, a video that um, has struck a nerve clearly on YouTube um, from Dr. Karen Purvis it's called How Do I Handle Lying? Um, luckily for all of us listening, none of us have to deal with this because none of our kids lie, none of our partners or spouses or siblings or family lie to each other. But for those people who do have lying issues in your lives, we're going to equip you today to talk with them about that. <laughs> Um, all of us have to deal with this issue. And uh, we talked to our good friend, Robin Goebel, not long ago about this. This conversation will probably take a slightly different direction. Um, and if you listen to the episode with Robin, which you should, uh, you'll kind of, you'll hear that distinction um, kind of early on. But this is Dr. Dr. Karen Purvis um, speaking on how do I handle lying? Um, Becca, Tana, any, before we jump into the video, any uh, preface that you guys like to give for it or no? I mean, I, I think it's one of, you know, the most watched videos on our, on our empowered to connect YouTube channel. And, um, I've needed it a couple of times myself. So I would say, um, it's needed. I appreciated what Robin said in our episode we did with her. And I was, I didn't want to interrupt you, JD, but I was like, or, or we don't lie. Like, you know, lying yeah. is like a human condition. It's like a human nature thing. And, um, you know, if truth be told, Lying impacts all of us and we do it also. So, um, well, I don't know. We want the truth told today necessarily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a great, that's a great preface. Let's, let's listen now to audio from Dr. Karen Purvis um, with the sweet piano intro of our 13 uh, year old video here. Here we go. There's a developmental stage at about four to six where kids are going to explore the truth. If the child didn't go through a normal developmental sequence at four to six, they may explore it much older. So you may bring home an adolescent who's never had the normal developmental trajectory and they may explore the boundaries of the truth. So a first thing to bear in mind is that exploring the parameters of what's really true is part of the developmental sequence. A second thing to remember is you need to be thinking about your own example, because for example, if your child picks up the phone and says, mom, it's so-and-so, and you say, tell her I'm not home, it's going to be really pretty hard for you to hold your child accountable to a high level of truth. Um, a third thing to bear in mind is the purposes of misbehavior. There's always a reason and a purpose. There's always a function for misbehavior for us, as well as for our children, for a child of any age. A misbehavior has either a conscious or an unconscious purpose, a goal in mind. Uh, 
So I have to explore as a caregiver, as a parent, does my child believe they have to lie to get this need met? Or is my child fearful of my reactivity? Have I been overreactive in the past? So if you bear in mind now, that does not mean we don't address the behavior. It simply means that we address it with balance and insight. So those three things. And then a final thing is my goal is to teach my child skills for life and honest communication with trust and integrity is obviously a goal for life. So I might say to a child, a young child who's telling me a a story, sweetie, is that real or pretend? And they might be able to recalibrate as we redefine real and pretend. I might be able to say something clever and humorous like, really? Wow. Do you want to think about that and try it again? Um, I might even give a child time to think about it, say, you know, that isn't what I thought I saw happen. Would you like to go think about it for a little while and come back to me when you've had a chance to think about it and tell me what you think really happened? So my goal is a balance of structure and nurture. I'm going to address any misbehavior, but I want to do it in the context of balance. It's really important as parents look for how to help their children develop long-term strategies for integrity in, in their relationships with each other, with family members and God. It's really important for us to remember that we want to celebrate the good and not have joy in, aha, I caught you. We're taught by scripture, by the heart of God, that God rejoices and that God's love rejoices in the good. It doesn't rejoice in evil. So let your child see your joy in helping them succeed. My experience with children who tell stories and look outright lies is that when they understand, I'm here to help you succeed, I'm going to work with you, you need to work with me. Let's work this out together that a child will come forward to tell the truth and then let me help them solve the problem or the need that was driving that lie. The the two primary errors that I see with parents when their children lie is that they either overreact or they don't react at all. And neither one of those is an appropriate response. We need to do a balance of structure and nurture. We need to do a, a, a balance of responsiveness and proactively addressing these needs as parents who are teaching our children patterns for life. The issue of lying comes up frequently for parents. I know it has for me. And as I began to look at this and the challenges that lying creates for for, for me as a dad, I, I realized that, frankly, a lot of it was rooted in my own past. I can remember vividly the destruction that lying had created in my childhood, in my uh, upbringing, whether it was the lies that I told or the lies that I was told. And so I came into adulthood and into parenthood more specifically with a lot of baggage around the issue of lying. Um, As we know, all kids are going to explore the boundaries of the truth and truth telling. But for me, because of all this history that I brought forward on the issue of lying, I tended to do what a lot of dads and a lot of moms do. I overreacted. I came down on lying as if it were the the sin above all sins. And while it's not a good thing and we don't want our kids to lie, 
we also need to make sure we remain connected even as we help teach and train them in truth-telling. The other tendency that some parents have is to completely ignore lying, to, to excuse it or to justify it or to somehow uh, wish it away. And the reality is that we have to deal with lying when it comes to our kids. But the question is, how do we deal with that? Is there a way to deal with lying so that our kids and us stay connected, so that we can train and teach them, so that we can build into them the value of truth-telling, that it pleases us, it pleases, more importantly, God, and that it helps keep trust in relationships as opposed to tearing it apart? I've discovered that the answer is yes, that we can come about the issue of lying in a way that keeps us connected with our kids. I think it's also important to recognize that sometimes I have a tendency and other parents have a tendency to want to catch their kids in a lie so that they can use that as an example and then make a big deal of that and teach them. And at the end of the day, I want to celebrate my kids' successes. I want, even in those situations where they're coming to me and maybe lying is, is going to be something they're going to turn to, I want to be able to say to them, hey, you know what? It's really important that you tell me the truth because when you do, I can trust you and you can trust me and together we can solve whatever problem it is that you have or whatever mistake it is that you've made. The issue of lying is a serious one. It's a challenging one for parents. But the issue is not whether we deal with lying. We have to. The question is, how do we deal with lying? And, and focusing on dealing with lying in a way that keeps us connected, that keeps us side by side with our kids, that helps them understand we're their coach and we're their advocate, and we can help them solve any problem that they have. All right. Got some of that sweet piano intro at the end there. Um, so one, can we just say we miss Dr. Purvis? Like we're, yeah. it's just yeah. it's so great to hear her teach and um, hear her voice. And, and so that was, that was great. Also, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, was caught off guard in a great way by the Michael Monroe entrance. He popped in and had some yeah. great, great stuff to yeah. say at the end. So appreciate him yeah. too. You know, it's, it's interesting, JD. First, thank you for just saying, like I, I do sometimes I'm caught off guard when I watch our video of libraries and just hear from Dr. Purvis, like a video I haven't, I haven't personally watched in a long time. And, um, not, I, I, I don't want to center myself. I want to make sure the content that we share with our listeners is helpful to them. But a personal anecdote is I, I remember hearing this idea from Dr. Purvis in the middle of struggling as a mama with kids that were little. And I can unequivocally say that lying has been one of my most challenging parenting experiences and has some has been something that I've had to do the deepest personal reflection on when it comes to it causing fractures in my relationship with my kids. Um, my, Oh, I wish I could hit rewind and do that again. Moments, my most intense moments of, of mothering have been when I have not stayed regulated and well mm. for my kids and reacting to things that I knew were lies. Yeah. And so I am personally feeling a lot right now, just thinking about the, the topic of lying. I'm, I'm happy to say that I feel like I've grown a lot and we can we can talk we can really kind of dive into all the bits and pieces of some of what they talked about in the video but it i it, just because i've come to like an understanding and michael talked about it 
of like, why, why did lying cause so much like distress and discomfort and reaction? And I, you know, to use the kind of the framing of, of Dan Siegel, why did I flip my lid? I mean, you guys, I was not a good mom in many situations and moments with a number of my kiddos that, um, when, when lying was a part of like the fabric of what they were trying to do to navigate their world. And I have come to see the deep, deep roots of that in my own childhood. Our family structure, um, I've talked to people in my family about this. Like it is a, there is a lot, a legacy in my family of not, tr- of, of not being truth tellers. And I think that that has actually made me like the person that I am, like, I am, for those that are Enneagrammers, I'm an Enneagram eight. Yep. Shoot me straight. Don't make me, don't beat around the bush. Don't make me think that you're trying to get something by on me. Like I value like straight talk, integrity, honest conversation. And y'all, I am so certain it's because of my childhood trauma. And it has, it had this, this idea of like understanding and then learning how to actually balance it all out yeah. with nurture and structure and show up well for my kids. It has been, and it has been my biggest parenting mountain. It, it has, it still is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's real. This is a real topic for Tana Ottinger. And I think for so many people, Tana, like I think about when I worked at schools, how many teachers would get so upset whenever someone would lie to them. And I've been really trying to think this week about why is that? Like what, like it's a really common, it's a common behavior that really bugs us. And I think it's, I, there's, there's a obviously unique reasons and people's personal experiences, but like a thread that I'm thinking about is it feels like a violation of trust. Yep. Even though we know cognitively, like this is a kid and I'm the adult, you're in a relationship and it feels like, okay, like I can't trust you. And that doesn't feel good to us, no matter the relationship, you know, it just doesn't feel good. And then I think too, for some adults, it's like, do you think that I'm dumb or stupid? Oh, I have, I have actually, I'm going to admit to you and everybody else that listens, I've actually said that to a child. Yeah. Oh, you think mom's stupid. I mean, yeah. I am not proud of that. But of course, like. That's how it feels was, though. Yes. Oh, you think you can get one by on me, do you? I mean, it's yeah. not good. Well, I didn't um, know that we were going to do some good personal Tana Ottinger counseling. But it's real, y'all. It's real. Well, Michael touched on this, like the kind of the flip side of what you said, Tana, where you said, there were stuff so deeply entrenched in your past. And Michael said the same thing. I, I think one of the things that was a real light bulb for me, and I mean, please don't like spy in our house and see how I handle it every time, real time, right? Because th- this right. is a struggle for all of us. Yes. But one thing, and I don't know if this is just personality driven or if other people are the same way, but w- with my chemistry, the way it is, like if I can understand the science behind something happening, it helps me to detach the behavior from it, if that makes sense. So, uh, knowing that, uh, trauma, adversity, stress can produce some, uh, actions in kids that are often detached from intent. There's not some, 
uh, maniacal intent always on our kids' behalf to pull one over on us. It is like we talked about, like Karen and Michael mentioned in the video, survival instincts. This is this is my body telling me. Now, again, wrongly, it's not the correct way to navigate the situation in the world, but it's the adapted survival skills that I've gotten so far because I've been hurt, because I've had situations happen in my life, that this is now how I need to navigate the world. And a huge one for me is that second question, Michael, I think it was Michael asked this, did did I, have I reacted in some way at some point? And I've taught this child, they need to be nervous to, to yes. come clean with me or to tell the truth to me. Now, I don't, want to admit that either. So Becky, now it's your turn and I've gone. Now it's your turn yeah. to share something gross about yourself. But like, mm-hmm. but the, yeah. I don't want to admit that, but that is, that is such a helpful paradigm shift to remember. Maybe I have done that. Maybe you haven't. So we're not accusing all of you out there, but we have to keep those things in mind. These are adapted survival skills. And while they're incorrect in that moment is not the instant that you need to unload the legal case on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Dr. Purvis said something. You're right. It, it can be adaptive. It can also be ADHD, sluggish processing, yeah. like quick reaction to something. Like there are so many reasons why we lie as human beings that have nothing to do with the person you're lying to. Right. So it is, it's such a little like interesting moment of like being in a, in a relationship with someone or in a situation when a lie comes out, because you're right until, until we can change our mindset or think about the brain chemistry or understand processing or fear-based responses or adaptive strategies. Like until we can like outside the moment, gain some knowledge and understanding Mm-hmm. to have some insight. Dr. Purvis said insight. And I'm like, that's it. So you yeah. can have some yeah. insight as to the why. Right. And you're doomed in the moment because I'm telling you, I'm gaining insight outside the moment. And it's still like real, real hard for me to keep myself present and regulated and right. connected in the moment. And I've been parenting now 20 years plus. Mm-hmm. And I have been uncovering why is lying hard for me for 20 years. Can I, um, JD said, tell something gross about yourself. And I really, I I have, guys, I have a problem, but my problem is I say too much. So I grew up in a home where my dad if he's telling a story, sorry, dad, to tell on you a little bit, a little, little bit. Well, my dad's telling a story, we call him Papa. Cause that's how, yeah, that's what we call him. So Papa will be telling a story and he'll say, Oh, you know, back when I was about 12 years old, well, hang on. Maybe I was 10. I can't. Okay. So, so I, I was either 10 or 12. I really can't remember. So he'll start to tell a story and he can't finish it. If he doesn't know for sure that it's true. So here's how that has come out in my life. And I'm saying this just to give a little bit of like compassion. You know, Karen Purvis talked about tell so-and-so on the phone that I'm not home. So that kind of lie, that kind of like little white lie, acceptable white lie. Oh, we've got plans. We can't make it. I, I, this is a big, this is like, we don't have to unpack this can of worms, but I'm just going to set it on the table. I um, lost my mom when I was 17 and on the plane ride to the United States, the person next to me, I I am sure he did not mean, how are you doing? 
<laughs> but he said, how are you doing? And I told him the truth. And in that moment, that was the wrong, it was the most, guys, it was like an eight hour plane ride. He didn't look at me again. It was awkward. It was horrible. Cause I said, you know, we're flying back because my mom died and I went into it and it was this pulmonary embolism and it happened suddenly and we had to, and I couldn't stop myself. And so I also, I'm, I may or may not be appropriate for this conversation, but I'm thinking about it because I don't have, um, I don't have a big reaction when I'm lied to, but I have a big fear of lying. I am terrified of it. And it has led to in my marriage, some like, Hey, Becca, you don't have to tell everybody every single part of our life. And so that's something you guys, as my friends, you know, this about me, I have a hard time with like, what are the right boundaries? And it feels like I'm lying if I'm not sharing a hundred percent. So I think too, you know, you, you pop up a title, like how to handle lying. And it just sounds so simple and it sounds so easy to talk about, but human behavior is so interesting because we're all trying to figure out what's acceptable, what's right. Judy said adaptive, what's adaptive to this situation. So that's my story is like, I doesn't bother me when people lie. It bothers me when I feel like I'm lying. That I appreciate that Becca. What's coming to my mind is like, man, we have an interesting relationship with the truth. Don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like all of us in our own ways, whether we're figuring it out for our, because sometimes I'm like, I came in, I come in too straight and honest I'm certain because I'm like, I ain't going to tell you something that ain't true because that causes family destruction. By the way, if you've listened to like my podcast with my cousin, Brad, like FYI, I've shared a little bit of, you know, my family of origin. Like we don't tell everybody everything. We hide things as not to hurt others. Like it's just interesting y'all. Okay. So this, we have an interesting relationship with the truth. We all do in our own ways. So maybe as we answer this question, how do we handle lying? Mm -hmm. But I think I'm hearing us say is do some self-reflection. Like what's your family of origin relationship with truth telling or oversharing or not telling all of the truth or hiding information or whatever it might be. And then how I liked you how you said, I really liked how you said, think about, we all have a relationship with the truth. And that's something I think is good to think about. Like think about and talk about with your close friends, with your spouse, like just like be honest about that because that part, if we skip over that, I think all of our rest of our processing is just about the kid or about their behavior, about why they, and instead of just like starting with yourself, you know, we talk about that all the time here, like starting with ourselves and being thoughtful and introspective first. Yeah. Yeah. I So when I think about this uh, relationship with the truth, I, I used the phrase when we had Robin on as recovering liar. So like the way that you two have this like physiological, like repellent to lying um, for our, for different reasons. I mean, I, I can, vividly remember times where uh, I would hear somebody joke on TV. They always say like, you know, it's better to tell the truth the first time. And we all know that ain't true. And I live some of that out in my life, both in kind of school worlds and in like where I was so devastatingly embarrassed a few times by, by owning something in a moment. Uh, I, I, gosh, was an elementary school child and um, was 
ribbing a kid on the bus about something and it ended up in a chant this this person is stupid this like the name like is stupid and I was a part of it and it was one of those moments where like I knew in the moment this is not good this is bad I was just giving her a hard time and now we're chanting the whole bus is chanting she's stupid and like you know it is just it is like a a milestone shame moment right well so then that mom mom heard that I was part of the origins of it thanks to my sister different relationship with the truth for her and so she um <laughs> walked me to the bus stop the next morning and in front of in front of everyone waiting at the bus stop and all the parents there too I apologized to the girl and to her mom and the mom went off on me in front of everybody and I just remember and if my mom is listening right now sorry for triggering you again because I remember that moment for her too it's like oh, that's enough you guys, sorry, that's enough. That's enough. Like, so, I mean, it was just terrible because of that. If I get lied to now by a child, I usually immediately go to self-shame because crap, I must've not made myself a safe, a safe place. Like they don't think they can tell me the truth right now, because that was, that was kind of the origins of me feeling such a hard time telling the truth after that happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. We've done lots of self-therapy for us yeah, so yeah. far. And that is obviously the first step, right? Like we have to introspective as adults. The other yes. thing that she said that I just love is like keeping the goals in mind. The goal is to teach a child skills for life. Yeah. So let's say yeah. collectively, we are not saying it's cool to lie. If you had an upbringing with lying or if you had a weird experience with it, it's not cool to lie. It does hurt people. We, we all know that. And so the goal here is to teach trust um, in relationship and to maintain trust in relationship. So I think that Yes, let me just joke and say, I, I, JD, Becca, myself, like I appreciate us coming to this conversation like vulnerably and honestly. I, I hope that that in, in return makes parents, caregivers, and other adults think about their own relationship because we do want to help our kids. Like ultimately, the goal is to not pass on whatever is fumbling me up with my relationship with the truth into damaging my relationship with my kids, because yeah. I want them to have a healthy, um, a healthy relationship with truth telling. And um, I've had to do a lot of repair with one of my children in particular. And if they were to listen to this episode, they'd know I was talking about our relationship. Like I've had to own my stuff. So how do we teach them the skills for life in terms of like being able to tell the truth? The first thing I want to say is it takes it, it potentially for some children could take a lot longer than you wish it did. And I appreciated the insight, JD, of you being like, you might immediately trigger shame because I'm sure that was going on with me too. Of like, why does this kid feel like they still have to lie to me? What have I not done right to earn enough safe space for them to be able to tell me the truth. I can do it right for a lot of years and that could still be something because of history or biological wiring or whatever, that that is still something that could be a, a particular struggle for a child. So please be patient. If you are parenting or taking care of a kiddo that comes from a complex, vulnerable history, just understand they're doing the best they can. And that may or may not have anything to do with you. Okay. So you be a safe place. They still might lie. And just 
okay, welcome to the club of that, right? Yes. Then yes. you're, I think some, some, yes, you need to deal with it. We can talk about some of that. I don't want to gloss over that, but I do want to set level expectations that teaching is, is a word that I think is a little complicated modeling, um, supporting skill. Dr. Purvis said building skills for life. How do you build a skill that building skills takes time and felt safety and developmental milestones and brain development? Like there's so, so much complexity around long lying, fast lying, pathological lying. I have a dear friend right now that is parenting a baby that is just deeply struggling with not telling the truth like ever. And so what does that mean for their relationship and how do they work through that? And how does the parent keep showing up for that? So I know I'm not giving a lot of like easy answers. I'm just saying it's complex, it's nuanced, and there's a lot going on. Um, in, in a person that is lying as part of their go-to strategy for survival is, is tricky. Becca, did you have some thoughts on that? Uh, I just think Dr. Purvis had a, a lot of great insights, a lot of great ideas. And I think something that feels counterintuitive. So because lying is a big deal to adults, we think that it warrants a big response from us and that that's going to like curb the behavior, change it forever. They'll never do it again. We got to nip this in the bud. And I think if we can take a Dr. Purvis approach, she's like, see if you can kind of laugh it off. Like, really? Like, you oh, really? Like the first thing she did was playful engagement. And it was that little, and it feels so counter to everything inside of us a lot of times. Cause we're like, we don't want to make light of this. This is a big deal. Being honest and having integrity matters to us. So if we can like think about, okay, yes. And playful engagement can be a great way to like get kiddo back on track, you know, keep the train moving, like all those strategies that we want to do. I also think when you're trying to kind of trying to tackle any behavior, First thing that's going to happen is you're going to work on what do you do after the behavior happens? You said it, Tana, you be the safe person and they're still going to lie. So the first thing you need to decide as a parent is, okay, next time they lie, I'm going to try this response. I'm going to try to stay calm. I'm going to try to stay with present with my kiddo and I'm going to try to communicate as honestly as I can. I'm still with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to leave this relationship. And then I think, you know, long-term, yeah, we want to curb the lying, but the first, you know, our, our first order of business is changing how we respond when we catch them in a lie. Michael talked about that instead of catching them in a lie and doing a gotcha moment. um, It feels like that's, what's going to work. And I just think we at empower to connect those of us on this call and everyone else, we just haven't seen that work to be completely blunt and honest about it. Like, we haven't seen this like nip it in the bud, make a big deal. We have not seen that promote long-term growth, That's promote right. skills, promote the, you know, what you want as a character, you want to build character. And that's just not what we found to be true. What we found to be true is when they have a connected, trusting relationship yeah. with their adult, with their safe adult over the long haul, when they make mistakes, when they do things well. And so I just think all that. Now I do think, 
a strategy that has been helpful for me at school. They joked that I was the lie detector because kids told me the Uh truth. Well, they told me the truth because of how I talked to kids about situations. And they just tried to the best of my ability, not perfectly, not every time, to give kids the benefit of the doubt. So I'll use one specific example that happened 900 million times. Somebody hit somebody on the playground. Okay. Teacher comes on. They didn't see it happen, but everyone is saying Tommy hit Susie. Everyone's saying it. Teacher knows Tommy hit Susie. When you pull Tommy to the side, (laughs) what Tommy is is feeling is like, I'm going to get in trouble because I hit Susie. And so you know, what's the value? Like, what are, what is the goal here? Is the goal for Tommy to say, I hit Susie and I feel so embarrassed. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes our goal is exactly JD, what you experienced. We want them to feel shame. And if we can be honest that that's not a great teacher, right? we can take a different approach. And so I think, you know, one thing that you can think about is intention. So Tommy may have impulsively hit Susie because she called him a name. I mean, I don't know. It's, Yep. No, that would be a real, that'd be a real situation. That's right. Not that that ever happened. That feels pretty real. (laughs) And so I might say to Tommy, Tommy, I know you, and I know you did not walk up to Susie and hit her out of the clear blue sky. I know that that's not what you did. Can you tell me like what was happening with Susie before? So the first question I'm asking Tommy is not, did you hit her? My first question is, and you're not, you didn't even say, why did you hit her? Because he no. probably cannot answer that question with as clearly and succinctly as we wish they would. That Carry is, on, Becca. So yeah. good to that. Like probably Tommy made an yeah. impulsive decision. And so if my intention yeah. is to help Tommy, I want to help Tommy tell the truth. I want to help Tommy take not on hit again. his actions and not yep. hit again. That's right. But I'm going to do that by stepping back. Tommy, what was going on on the playground with you and Susie? Well, she said, my mom is ugly. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't know unless I ask Tommy. And so, you know, teachers would laugh. They'd be like, you're the lie detector. I'll tell you the truth. Well, it's because I took 10 steps back from where I was trying to go with Tommy. And I let Tommy walk me through. And then another thing with young kids, especially, you know, Karen Purvis mentioned the four to six-year-old age. That's one approach. The other thing is lots of times accidents do happen. And if a kid can say, I accidentally hit them, for some reason, guys, that takes a lot of pressure off because whenever it's the, you're, you did this intentionally and willfully and it was horrible. Yeah. A kid having to own that is different yeah. from a kid having to say, I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't hit her. When kids say I didn't hit her, what I found is a lot of times what they meant was I didn't mean to hit her. So yeah, I didn't hit her is a quote unquote lie, but if you can see past what they're saying, like what Tommy's trying to tell me is I didn't mean to hit Susie. I didn't want to hit Susie. Like I got so mad. I did like whatever it was, was going on. And so I just think like if we can approach lying, usually it's about something that they took, something that they did that was hurtful, something that they hid, um, I mean, you guys, there's so many, a conflict, like you can lie about anything, but I think if we just take a step back, Dr. Purvis said it and Michael Monroe said it, what's the need? What are they trying to, like, what do they actually need? What Tommy actually needs is help managing conflict. 
right? That's a deeper skill. That's right. Then tell me that you hit her and feel bad about it, Tommy. That's a different thing. It's a different goal. I, something's coming to my mind, Becca, as you're talking, like I, I so appreciate that example because I think the, the principles apply to so many, many situations when it comes to walking hand in hand, like through the sticky moment of, of figuring it out. So something I want to make sure that we talk about is that it doesn't help a child build a skill to ignore the behavior. And that that's a different side to this coin, because if we might be tempted to to start like growing our understanding um, behind why lying might be happening and that might increase our compassion, which is good. And then we may feel like, "Uh oh, I don't know what to do now. And so I'm going to sort of let it slide. Well, that leaves your child disconnected in a different way, okay? Because now they're not disconnected because you came down hard and shamed them and scared them into lying more. They're disconnected because you're not helping them grow into building the relationship or the skills for truth-telling. So they're not connected to you. They're, They're disconnected anyway. It's just in a different kind of way. And so... I want to say, like, try to, like, step towards the moment with some new skills. Don't gain understanding and step back from lying because you think you understand now why they did it. So it can be some things like, um, I mean, I'm not saying this is the right script for everybody. This is so intentional. Please know your child. Please know the child you're working with. They need something different and individual. But some examples could be um, if you're approaching a situation where you need to discover the truth to support the kid or whatever might need to happen, give them some time. And and depending on their age, you can say, hey, sweetie, we need to talk about something and it might be hard to tell the truth here. This might be a moment where your brain and your body and your defense mechanisms are going to tell you the safest thing is to tell some distruth because your the consequences might feel scary. So like revealing that in advance and that can build felt safety and like disarm the fear and say, so I tell you what, we're not in any hurry. I don't want this to linger because lingering is not going to be good for your body to, to like hold that for long. Is not going to be good for you? But I'm going to give you some time. I have found for some relationships, that's what's needed because I come in hot and strong and articulate and fast. So giving time and letting them come back when they're feeling emotionally ready to have that conversation and then being quiet and still and giving them space to formulate the words for truth-telling. Thinking about, Dr. Purvis talks a lot about like muscle motor memory for doing the right thing. So how do you create an environment that cultivates truth-telling? And it can take time and it can take sometimes going out for ice cream or taking a walk or being side by side and like disarming this fear response of the brain. Um, So I, I want you to think about the goal is not to understand and step away from cultivating truth. The goal is to understand and then come at it from a different way and then be patient with how 
Um, it may take a lot of practice to tell the truth quickly. Okay. So if you've got a kiddo, I mean, she said it, she, maybe she used the word recalibrate, which I loved. And I wrote that down because that's what I needed to do. I needed to recalibrate my reaction to lying. And I needed to help a couple of my kiddos recalibrate their relationship with truth telling and recalibrating sometimes takes, you know, lots of tweaking. So I can promise you to Becca's point, um, the, the first big nip it in the bud, strong reaction, shame-based consequences to lying didn't, didn't help. I tried it for a real long time. I saw growth when I could calm myself down and come in as somebody that was there to help them grow and was doing my own work and beautiful, amazing things have happened since then. Like we've made mag, like significant strides. Um, so it's complicated. I think, you know, and probably as we start to head toward home in this conversation, like um, I wrote down at the end, this is something Michael said, just the key is to keep trust, to keep trust between you and your child, be able to teach trust as an essential um, thing to them as they interact in their relationships. And um, I, I do think about a few proud moments of parenting where um, I, I can remember Dr. Purvis in a different video uh, talking about the the need to not go in tricking your kids. Like the and we've talked a lot about that. We talk about it when we teach cultivate connection. We talk about it uh, any chance we get with parenting. The question is not like, did you take that piece of candy? Did you take that? Or did you do this? This like, if you know it, do not put that pressure on your child. Like, walk in side by side with them because if you really want to know why and you really do care about getting to the root of it to help them establish integrity and to and to get the courage, if telling the truth is scary, to build that courage. Yeah walking in side by side as the expert in the situation who can help teach them, help lead them, help build those skills to get there. It, you think about if somebody threw a baseball the wrong way, trying to pitch, the coach doesn't go out screaming at them. You better throw a strike next time or you're out of here. Or they, they might, uh-huh. but uh, the right coach goes in and it's like, Hey, it's okay. What's going on? Cause you normally those strikes, let's figure this out. Where was your release? Where was this? Where was your step going? And they look at the mechanics of it and they help them to feel safe so they can take the advice and trust them, go forward. And so that, that motor memory of, I do think the, the, the idea of reduce comes into play super heavy here to get to the point of building some, some strength and telling the truth and doing so with the, the scaffolded, you know, approach with parents at first, like, you know, going through and saying, okay, so let's just, let's say it out loud. What happened? if we need to, or say out loud what we did and experience that, like saying it and not having the world fall on your head, you know, um, that that memory can eventually lead to strong enough, you know, uh, behavior changes. And so, um, at the end of the day, like Dr. Purvis said, like we've said several times, like we want our kids to, to be able to know the joy of, of, of living and integrity and character and being people yeah. who can be right. trusted and being people who are valued in relationship because they keep trust and maintain trust. And yeah. so, um, that is, this is, this is more of a coaching approach than it is a, um, you know, demanding or, 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 uh, consequence-based approach. And so I love that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, guys, I, I appreciate both of y'all and the contributions of this conversation. And thanks that we can all be a confessional to each other today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For a minute. Uh, any, any last thoughts as we close out on this topic? Yeah, I would say this is our third podcast on lying. We had one called When Lying is Flying. We had one with Robin Goble that we mentioned, and then we have this one. And I would just say we could keep going. We could do 20 million hours on lying, and we would never cover every approach that is possible. And so I just hope that um, you heard some ideas that maybe helped you think about things differently. But we want to just acknowledge with lying and with any of the behaviors that we kind of tackle on a podcast podcast. The goal is to just be creative, um, to be thoughtful and to think about the kid in front of you. Think about them. Think about what they need in the moment. Think about your relationship with them. Um, and, and like Tana said over and over in JD as well, we do want to help build character. We do want kids that can tell the truth. So we just want to take a thoughtful approach on how to get there. Yeah. I think my last thought, Dr. Purvis said, we want to celebrate the good. And so I would say, I would love for us to celebrate the good in ourselves. Mm. Know that if, if you've hit play on this particular episode, like well done you and well done us for like wanting to show up um, in this particular way for those that we love. And so like I'm celebrating our small steps towards being safe and feeling more empowered and with skills to navigate these potentially sticky spots. So I want to celebrate your small places of growth, celebrate your insights and discoveries as to maybe sort of what your relationship with truth is and be kind to yourself. Obviously, this is me saying like, this has been a long road And um, I want to love myself well as I figure this part of me out. So give yourself love and celebrate the good as you are growing in the way that you're supporting the children in your life. And then celebrate the good in them. Like if we can see this as a human thing, it just loses some of its intensity And like celebrate that they're like little humans or teenage humans or adult humans showing up and like giving you all they got, like they're doing the best they can. And so sometimes when we're dealing with behaviors that are scary, we do not want our children in our lives to grow up to be liars. Like we know that is no kind of a life. And so we can get just clouded with fear of the future if we don't nip it in the bud. And sometimes if you've got a behavior that's repetitive, we can miss that it's been like a long time since they've done it. And so just celebrating growth, you know, like I would say celebrate the goodness of growing and, um, and then maybe, maybe we're going to be okay. So that's my closing thought to celebrate the good of growing. It's good. Thank y'all. Yeah. Thanks for letting us have an early start to this podcast, a little personal therapy for one another. Sorry, I came in like, oh, this is me. (laughs) Just being real. But here we are. Here we are. Well, we all needed it for sure. And in my, I guess my closing thought um, is what that revealed is there's, there's always a reason. There is always a reason for the behaviors that we all exhibit, our reactions and our behaviors. And so, um, 
sometimes those are harder to find than others, but they're there. It's good, JD. Good word. Awesome. All right. Thanks. See y'all. Well, hopefully you got a lot out of that conversation. I know that I did. Obviously, I said, you know, in the intro that it was like group therapy for us, and it, it didn't really feel that way. Um, we are, I, I announced this last week, and, and hopefully you have already um, done your homework and you have applied to be a Cultivate Connection facilitator. But in case you haven't, um, we are super excited that the application window to become a Cultivate Connection facilitator is open. Um, it'll be open until March and uh, listen, here's here's what will happen. So this summer training window, um, it's gonna it's gonna begin in May online. It'll go through the course online with your other cohort of facilitators, and then at the end of that, you will travel to Memphis for three days here in July um, at ETC World Headquarters to deal. Uh, to go through um, all of the ins and outs of facilitator training. And so um, if you need more details, if you want to apply, head to the website. But I would just say, as we, um, as we keep building out the, the resources and support that we provide for families, we, we really do believe that this product, the peer-to-peer parenting course, Cultivate Connection, delivered in the context of local communities is the best way to support uh, parents and caregivers um, in life-on-life help. Look, none of us are an island. We know that. Um, But parenting on an island is an extremely lonely, tough place to be. So doing, uh, doing life, doing parenting... In the context of a community of like-minded individuals, um, we think is extremely valuable. And uh, we would say um, this model taught peer-to-peer is just invaluable. And so I would really encourage you, if you are thinking about um, becoming a facilitator and helping to spearhead these courses being taught in your community um, to support families where you are, please, please apply. Again, the window will be open until March to apply. The actual training itself begins online in May. um, And then in July, it wraps up with three days in Memphis, Tennessee. So come get your barbecue. Come check out some basketball, um, hopefully. (laughs) And uh, check our website for all the details and apply soon. Spots are limited. That's it for today. For Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, and for Ted Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we'll see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.